0: Thank you. Praise God. Everyone whose first time is here with us, we welcome you to Grace and Love Church. Um, amen, church? Amen. amen. So uh, we've been talking about a Puncher. Welcome back to the drums. Did we miss Puncher on the drums? Um, that was awesome. But Kevin held it down, just, just so you know. Kevin held it down for those. Wh- how long has it been? A month and a half. That was fast. He has a new leg, a bionic leg now, so he's playing amazing. <laughs> I love being part of a community that, that loves. Amen? A community that doesn't look at each other, and just because you came in jeans and a shirt or whatever, it doesn't mean anything because we look at the heart the way that God does. Amen? God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outer uh, clothing for acceptance or love. He loves us because we're his children. And that's it. And you know what? It's interesting. There's really not much you can do for God to stop loving you. We had already turned away from God. We were enemies from God. And he decided to, to die for us on the cross. He gave his life for us while we were still enemies. And then he comes on the scene and he says, we should love our enemies. So he dies for his enemies and he comes and tells us to love our enemies because there's reward in that. And it's often easy to love those that are around us that love us back. But it's difficult when someone doesn't reply with love. So turn your Bibles to Psalm 133. We're talking about community these past, well, last week. Psalm 133, verse 1. Let me know when you have it. Say aloud, oh yeah. Aloud, oh yeah. Somebody said, oh yeah, and didn't have it. We have fun at Grace and Love Church, so smile like Kevin said and laugh. Amen. Let's read Psalm 133, verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, brethren, To dwell together in unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Last week, we started a conversation about five things that people desire in community. People just have this desire in them, it's put in them by God. They desire to be part of a group or a team, a community, uh, something to be a part of. A sports team, remember we were talking about how sometimes we're fan of sports teams and we're like, yeah, we won, but we didn't play. They played, but we're, we feel so, so much a part of it that we say things like that. There's like fantasy leagues for everything, you know, like you can be a part of community when you're not even a part of it nowadays. You can virtually be part of something. And, and hopefully we win today with the Cowboys. Praise the Lord. God bless them. <laughs> Someone's like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <clears throat> every team and every group that gets together is for a greater cause. We all want that in our hearts. We, we want to be part of something greater than us. Every team, every uh, group at work, you're part of something greater. Amen. And so that's in us. That's something that God placed in us. That we want to see change happen. We want to see things move. We want our team to win. We want our ideas to go and, and be the forefront. Some people are so much a fan of like Apple, for example. And they'll fight you, literally, if you say that Apple is not that good. Right? If they say PC is better, and there's a PC group, and a, an a Apple, and a Mac group, and the, man, they're intense. Amen. <laughs> But we want to be part of a greater cause. And we talked about that last time. And in Hebrews ten twenty four, the Bible says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and of good works. So I was telling you last week that in the kingdom, it's let us not let them. We are involved in the kingdom. It is our mission that Jesus gave us. It's not their mission or or the pastor's mission or the leadership's mission. It is all of us collectively part of this greater cause, which is the cross. Amen? So it says, let us think of ways because it's about us as a collective, as a group, as the body of Christ, doing what God has called us to do, being part of that greater cause. So do what God has called you to do. Do what God has called you to do with respect to to leaders and honor and all of that. But if you're passionate about something, do it without title, without position. Don't let man stand in the way of what God has called you to do. Don't let feelings or things that have happened in the past stand in the way of what God has called you to do. Some of you in this place have stopped dreaming Have stopped going after what God has called you to do. Don't let anything prevent you from doing what God has called you to do. Let us think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and for greater works. The second thing that we all desire on Earth, the way that God made us is connection. We all desire to be connected because a greater cause is never fun alone. We like to be in team. We like to know other people and connect. Why do you think social media is so incredibly like alarming in our life? It's so much part of our life because it gives us an impression of connection. Although it's not real connection, it's not, you know, face to face connection, but it gives us the impression of connection because we as human beings desire connection. You know, the number one thing that the devil does right away when he begins to attack you is to isolate you, to get you away from church, to get you away from community. That's the number one thing he does. He tries to get you alone so that he can steal, kill and destroy because he knows he knows if you come to church, if you're in community, he has no chance. He has no chance. Because someone, especially in this church, someone's going to feel something from the Holy Spirit and they're going to come tell you. Because we're a prophetic church. We need connection. We need leaders to relate to. And we need people to relate with. Did you hear me? We need leaders to relate to. And people to relate with. The age of the leadership that you cannot touch is over. Doesn't work anymore. The man of God that can't talk to anyone, that can't be seen, that you can't know his life. That's over. We need transparency behind the pulpit. We need realness. We need human beings behind the pulpit. Not holy, holy, holy people, if you know what I mean. I know we're holy, but you know what I mean, right? We need realness behind the pulpit. We need to know that someone's going through stuff too. I go through stuff too. I need Jesus too. And I need my wife sometimes too. (sighs) Amen. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen to the writer of Hebrews 2000 years ago talking about his returning is drawing near. Back then, and he says, Don't separate yourself, don't neglect the meeting of coming together. Why? Because it's to encourage one another. When we neglect healthy connection, listen. When we neglect healthy connection with other believers, it is difficult, almost impossible to remain encouraged. Let me repeat that because I need everyone to hear this, please. It's important. You didn't come here just because today. okay? it's not a coincidence that you're here today. I know that's cliche and many pastors and preachers have said it before, but you're here today for a reason. I I put this message together this week. I didn't prepare because I knew you would be here today. I didn't know who would be here today. But you're here because God put you here today. Listen to this. When we neglect the meeting together, when we neglect healthy connection with other believers, it's difficult to remain encouraged. It's difficult to remain encouraged. We need healthy connection with other believers. It's not a, a, a desire to fill up churches. Or to fill up seats. It's not not coming from there. It's a need that God has placed in our hearts. We need that. Not we want it. We need it. Romans 1.12. I'll get to what I'm supposed to talk about today in a sec. When we get together, Paul says, I want to encourage you in your faith. This is still connection. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want to be encouraged By your faith, Paul says. When I come to the Roman church, I want to be encouraged by your faith. See, we can look at testimonies online and and hear about conferences and, and such. But there's nothing like coming to a place where we know that someone next to us is going through something. Or has gone through something. And they're lifting their hands and they're worshiping. And you can talk to them and they can encourage you. And Paul says, I want to go encourage your faith. But hey, I also want to be encouraged by yours. Because when we come together, we encourage each other. What encourages the most in the kingdom is the faith of others. So that brings me to what I want to talk to you about today. That's what I talked about last week if you weren't here. Go listen to the podcast. It's, I get more uh, detailed. Praise God for this word because I think it's timely. Today, I want to talk to you about the fourth thing that, that, requ- that is required in a community. And that is, or the third thing, right? And that is language, words, and communication. Language is how we use words to communicate. We were in a meeting on Friday with, with the staff here, and Carlos said, Language needs to be relatable, it needs to be understood. He gave his example of, if I go to Germany to try and reach the Germans, if it's not short of a miracle, I won't be able to communicate in Germany. Amen? I could barely do it in Spanish. Imagine Germany. Right? But if someone that understands German or speaks it, they can go to Germany and reach the people. So language needs to be understood, and it needs to be relatable. Amen? The point is that language is one facet of communication because communication can be nonverbal as well. You ever received a text and you're thinking, wow, this person is upset. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And you're thinking, how do I reply to this? Do I get mad? Do I reply like that? How do I do this? Right. And and, and because in text, you can't you can't see the nonverbal communication. You can't see the expression on the face. You can't hear the tones, right? The inflection. You can't hear any of that in the text. You just get these dry words and you think the person's calling you out on something and they're probably just being normal. I don't know. We can get that confused. And you hear a tone. If someone texts you with, I don't agree with that. That's actually how we read it, right? I don't agree with that. Right? And you're like, what? They might just be like, you know, I don't. What they meant, right? I don't really necessarily all the way agree with that. But in text, it comes off as like, what do you mean you don't agree with that? I'm right. How can you not agree with that? Maybe it's just me. The story of the Tower of Babel. I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but humans got together, uh, a group, and they started to build this tower to try and like, be like God and reach God. And it was a flesh a fleshly unity and community and they were building this tower and they were building it all the way up and they were getting somewhere it was like way up there and god says this cannot work so what does he do he kills them all no no he doesn't do that he confuses their language hello he confuses their communication they no longer understand each other Someone's, just as an example, someone is talking Spanish, Chinese, German, Polish, they're just talking all kinds, Portuguese, they're talking all kinds of languages and they no longer understand each other. Because he knew that language creates communication and communication creates unity. And he understood that. God, of course, in his wisdom, understood that if they no longer can communicate and talk, this will stop. Rather me washing the earth again of sin. I'll just confuse their language. And they no longer were able to build this tower. So again, language builds communication. Communication builds unity. We need to communicate. We need to be deep and honest. We need to be loving in our communication. Because it builds unity in the kingdom. Language is important. The way we talk is important. Every group, every community has a way that they talk to each other. Sports terms, political terms, at work terms. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could talk about your job, but no one else understands what you're saying. Unless they work there, of course. You could talk about check requisitions, write pro rata shares for each musician, And you guys are like, what? Secondary markets, you know, free foreign TV, all of those things. And you guys wouldn't understand what I'm, it's a different language. But at work, I'm understood in that weird language that I just spoke called uh, musician residuals. That's the language I talk at work. But you guys didn't get it. So it's important. That we feel comfortable, that we know the language that is being spoken in the kingdom. I don't want us to talk Christianese just to talk. Just to say cliche things. I want us to be people of kingdom that talk from kingdom perspective. That talk from God, that hear God. Married people know. Communication and language is important. Amen, married folk? If not the most important, communication. You ever said something and and it comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It comes out of your mouth and you're like, especially the men, y'all feel me. It comes out of your mouth because sometimes we we don't filter things too well. And it just comes out and you're like, oh, I can't, oh, it's gone. Now I have to deal with what I just said. I can't take it back. There's no take backs. You said it. I take it back. I take it back. No, you, no, you said it already. Communication is important. The way we talk, the words we use. How are we raising our kids? What kind of words are we using with our children? That's in, all of that is important because they remember when they, you know, even your nonverbal communication, when your kids see you worrying, they can sense it. When you start saying it with your mouth, they can sense it. And now they grow up, guess what they're going to do? Worry a lot. It's quiet. It's quiet in this Methodist church. Just kidding us. We in the kingdom should be speaking the language of the Holy Spirit. We should be talking from the language of the Holy Spirit. Amen? amen. Say amen. amen. Amen? I'm not saying we can't have fun, right? And talk about sports and whatever else. I'm just saying the norm should be kingdom talk. This is for all of us to work on. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 11. Were you able to get that bow? Awesome. Love you guys. You guys serve so well. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm reading the N- NASB version. So if you have something to change it with, you can change it. This is just what impacted me. This version impacted me the most. I'll, I'll do like a comparison at, uh, on this app and it shows me a bunch of things. Let's read it. Verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts? Of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Amen. This is the language of the Holy Spirit. The heart of God. What the Holy Spirit speaks is what God is saying. Are you with me? Spiritual thoughts that come from the spirit of God that come from God. That are filtered through the Holy Spirit into your spirit as words, as language. Spiritual words. The language of the Holy Spirit are the thoughts and desires of God. Let me repeat that. The language of the Holy Spirit are the thoughts and desires of God. And those are good thoughts, he says. I have good thoughts for you. I have good desires for you. So you want to know how to talk, how to speak, what to say in situations? You need to go to the Holy Spirit so that he can give you the thoughts of God so that he can give you the words from God, so that you can transmit those to others. Amen? This is what I try to do as much as possible. I'm not good at it. I'm not perfect. No one is. But this is what I try to do. I try to wait. If there's conflict, let's wait. Amen? Let's hold on. Let's not argue. Let me not respond to that text just yet because I have before. That's how that's how you learn, really. So I have returned the text like, you know, little fiery texts, fire emojis. But that's how you learn. You wait. Conflict is there. You know, there's something you wait. You wait for what God says first. Look at me, please. You wait for what God says first. Not for for what you say first. Because the first thing you want to say is probably, probably not the best thing to say. So wait. What is the Holy Spirit saying in this situation? Use wisdom from God. And then speak spiritual words into the situation. Amen? What is he saying? The heart of God for you and your family. The desires and thoughts for you and your community he speaks the goodness of the father and witnesses of jesus christ he is the witness so the question for us is what are our thoughts what are we saying how are we speaking to each other to our families that's important god sees all that remember language opens communication which brings unity good communi- good healthy communication Yelling and cussing at each other is not good in healthy communication. Good, healthy communication creates unity. This is for marriages, for families. If you change the way you speak and you, and you ask the Holy Spirit, what do I say? How do I? How does he talk to you? Think about that. How does God speak to you? Hopefully your view of God is that he's good and loving first and then see how he speaks to you with such grace and such love. And then when you look at others and you have conflict and marriage and family here in community, you can approach it with good language from the Holy Spirit. Are we speaking the same language, church, or just Christianese? The church and the Holy Spirit say come. Come. That's the church and the Holy Spirit in Revelation saying to Jesus, come back, Jesus. We're waiting for you together simultaneously, speaking the same words, the same language. People will be drawn to our spiritual language because they have actually never heard anything so good. People will be drawn to your spiritual language at work. And family and around you because they have never heard anything so good. Do you believe that? Amen. Man, do you believe that? Amen. This is a good word. We're not going to talk about people when they're not there. And put them down when they're not there. We're not going to dishonor our past. We're going to honor people. People make mistakes. Always. We're going to make mistakes. But we have to think and hear the voice of God in the heart of God. We're going to speak the thoughts of God brought to us by the Holy Spirit. I want to take you to four things just as we end today. Four things that I practice. And I call this part prophetic counseling because I was thinking about this. And this is stuff that I practice with unbeknownst to me, though. And as the Holy Spirit began to reveal things to me, I want you to learn that when you talk to each other, to families, in marriage, that these four things are like, I put them to practice. And and I've been successful in them, and I want you to learn from them. So go to Psalms 37, verse 30 for me. I'm going to read the New Living Translation. Give me a loud amen when you have it. Psalm 37, verse 30. Are you there? Amen? Amen. It says, the godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. Counsel is godly strategic planning for someone's life. Counsel is godly, strategic planning for someone's life. Like when I, me and my wife get together with people that are going to be married, and we do a whole year of premarital counseling, we are strategically planning and speaking into those two people's lives so that they can be successful in marriage. This is good counsel. Like when Kevin and Merrill do financial counseling, And they prepare strategically for couples, for people that are interested and having financial freedom in kingdom. Strategic planning. Counsel is godly strategic planning for someone's life. It takes a village to make good choices sometimes. You know what is right by the Holy Spirit. So do it. That's good counsel. Go to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Amen. Amen. NLT again. Worry or anxiety weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Worry weighs them down. Encouraging word cheers them up. Encouragement should be our normal. That should be our normal language. Our normal words should be words of encouragement. Amen? Amen. Not false encouragement where people never do wrong, but actual healthy encouragement where we challenge people around us. Exhortation. Are you with me? Our words should be laced with encouragement. Go to Proverbs 25.11. So that's good counsel. That's encouragement. Proverbs 25, 11. This is my favorite. I love this. All right, put it up. Proverbs 25, 11 says, Timely advice is lovely like golden apples in a silver basket. Timely advice is lovely like golden apples in a silver basket. Don't deny advice. From the people around you, from parents, from your community. Don't deny timely advice. Different than counsel, advice is something someone might need in the moment. Not planning, not good counsel. Different than counsel, advice is something that someone might need in the moment. This is more short-term when counsel is more long-term. This means our conversation needs to be plugged into the Holy Spirit. If we want to give good counsel and we want to be encouraging and we want to give advice from him, we need to plug our lives into the Holy Spirit. And we are plugged in, but what I mean is be aware of it. Amen. Colossians 4. Colossians 4. This will be our last Bible verse. And we're about to end soon here. Let me know when you're there, please. This is very important. Colossians 4, 6. Amen. Let your conversation Conversation be always, not sometimes, always full of grace. Pause. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer who? Everyone. <laughs> Everyone, not not just your wife and husband or kids or, or mom, dad, aunt, everyone. Conversation should always, not sometimes, always be full of grace. Amen? And always seasoned with salt. I love the NLT. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. So that you will have the right response for everyone. I'm known for sugarcoating. I am the sugarcoat master. If you want to know how to sugarcoat something to tell someone, come talk to the expert. Amen? I know how to sugarcoat. I could make it so attractive that you think you came up with it. It's my sales background, too, by the way. But I try to lovingly tell someone the truth. Sometimes people just try to tell you the truth not so lovingly, right? They're very forward. They're like, hey, you're an idiot. and you know, I'll say more like, hey, maybe what you did there wasn't the best. But you're great. <laughs> I'm giving all my secrets here. The way you look at people is so important. How do we get our language to be full of grace? We get full of grace. Do you only see their mistakes or the grace that has them looking a lot better? Are you forgiving people, loving people? This will make your conversation full of grace. Seasoned with salt makes it taste good. It goes down good. You ever had chicken with nothing on it? Raise your hand. Nothing, just plain old chicken. After the third time having it like that, you're like, I need something else. This tastes like cardboard. Put a little salt on it, and your life changes forever. Amen? Just a little salt, just three, three little things of salt on your chicken, and it's changed forever. Now you're like, wow, that was so good. Because you were eating carpet before. No. (laughs) This will make your conversation full of grace when you're full of grace. Amen? And season it with salt, y'all. Make it attractive. Some of you don't know how to do that. For me, it's kind of natural, but some of you need to kind of think about, how should I say this to my husband? Because the way that I'm saying it, it's not working. So i got to find a different way to say it and make it more attractive. Make it a little bit more seasoned. Amen? (laughs) Talk to me, Lord. This month we celebrate six years as Grace and Love Church. (laughs) Praise God. It's been really, really amazing. I'll end with this. This is a quote. Do not trust the mouth of a bitter heart. Talking about words and language. Do not trust the mouth of a bitter heart. The power of life and death are in the power of the tongue. When we partner with lies, we also speak them to others and ourselves. Some people may say, oh, you know, certain thing doesn't, marriage isn't forever. I've heard that before. Uh, marriage isn't forever. Well, in the Bible, it says differently. and So I'm, I'm going to go with that, and I'm going to trust God in my marriage. And I'm not going to trust someone that's just bitter. We must remove all bitterness from our heart. All bitterness from our heart. There should be no bitterness in our heart. Please open your hearts right now says the Holy Spirit, there should be no bitterness in our heart because our mouth produces what is overflowing in our heart. Can you hear behind the words? No bitterness should be in our heart. We should speak the language of the Holy Spirit. Connected to God. The thoughts and desires of God. That God loves everyone, wants everyone to, the Bible says, it is his desire for all men to be saved, all of humankind to be saved. That's how God loves. For he so loved the world, not he kind of loved the world, he so loved the world that he gave his only son. Let's remove all bitterness. Let's remove the way we see people. Let's remove, let's remove the things that have happened in our past and let's start to talk with the language of the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.